Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast, the show that features artists, entrepreneurs, experts, and commentators that will give you the right knowledge, planning, and guidance so you can preserve your assets and enjoy your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at wealthactually.com. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is neither investment, legal, nor tax advice and does not represent the opinions of the employers of the host or guest. And now, here's your host, Fraser Rice. Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast. I'm Fraser Rice. Anyone who's tried to insure a house in Florida or California or cover a mold claim in New York City knows that the insurance market has gotten tricky in the last five years. In the broader high net worth space, even finding property and casualty insurance is no longer a sure thing. With the intricacies of mitigating risk for big and famous clients and significant premium dollars at stake, it's apparent that one needs expertise at every step. But Tanya Simmons is an Atlanta native and second-generation risk management professional. As the National Sports Practice Director and Private Risk Advisor with Aon Private Risk Management, LaTanya provides expert personal property and casualty insurance advice and advocacy for successful individuals. Executives, entrepreneurs, athletes, entertainers, and family offices nationwide count among the people that she serves. We talk about what's happening in California and Florida and what to look for in your own situations. Welcome aboard, LaTanya. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm thrilled you're on because... It has come up in client conversations all the time now about how hard it is to insure things like houses and property nationwide, but in particular in places like Florida and California, coastal regions, et cetera. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in Florida and California and how the consumers are being impacted? Absolutely. And thanks again for having me. Be happy to weigh in on this particular topic. I think you mentioned over the last few years in Florida and California, the insurance climate has become increasingly challenging. And unfortunately, now it's reached a state of crisis and it's due to a combination of factors. I think if you remember back in 2020 alone, you know, we had a lot of natural disasters and hurricanes that happened. And in that year alone, carriers spent over a billion dollars in losses primarily by hurricanes and wind events. Also, Florida and California are highly litigious environments. So the cost of litigation and the frequent involvement of independent adjusters has just driven up the cost to resolve claims. So the result has been for carriers to operate at a deficit. And their response has been to either limit their capacity or ultimately decide to leave the state. So I think that's a lot of what homeowners in Florida and California are experiencing. We are also starting to see capacity shrink in other states and areas that have experienced an increasing number of natural and severe weather-related events. So this includes Colorado and other Western states that are susceptible to wildfire. And New York is part of that as well, just due to record flooding and strong storm cells. So for Those that may even be considering purchases in a new state, I definitely recommend in addition to contacting a realtor to please reach out to a knowledgeable risk advisor. They can help you make some informed decisions by providing advice on types of homes to steer towards based on age or feature and even construction type. They can also weigh in on the average cost of insurance and provide feedback on carrier guidelines and appetite. 
how has the insurance market changed over the last five years or so, and specifically in the last two? And where do you see it going from here? I think before the conversations that we were having with our carriers, it was really centered around making sure our clients receive the most comprehensive coverage at the most competitive pricing. And the current market is one that's unlike any that we've seen in the past 20 years. Before, I think there was room for us to negotiate and room to maneuver, but because of the intense amount of pressure experienced by the carriers, they are reconsidering the level of their commitment as it relates to the insurance contract and the agreement. I think in past years, carriers have maybe sometimes even overextended themselves and their claims wallets to provide broad amount of coverage. It's more about helping our insureds preserve insurability. We're having conversations about prior to filing a claim to strategize whether this makes sense and is this the one that they want to file a claim on or could they handle it out of pocket? We're advising them to explore systems, water leak detection devices that can not only provide discounts, but it also demonstrates that the owner is interested in taking steps to prevent a loss before it happens. So we definitely see this trend continuing in the future. It's no longer being optional for consumers to take a more involved position in loss prevention. We're also seeing things like limitations being included in the policy. So for instance, we commonly know that roofs depreciate over time and have a general lifespan in the range of 20 to 25 years. I think more policies are going to be amended to have depreciation factored into the valuation and it being looked at from an actual cash value standpoint versus full replacement cost where the insurance company picks up from dollar one. So I think our goal in navigating and helping our clients navigate this space is to help them make informed decisions on how to structure their physical assets so they will be attractive for a carrier to insure, not just for today, but I think on into the future. Just a quick side light here. We talked about floods and wildfires and some of those types of things. At least in New York, mold in particular is something that is an unhealthy and unwanted surprise for many. And I think an area that is becoming difficult for the typical property and casualty insurers to figure out and deal with. What are you seeing on that front? I think, again, mold is one of those new features and topics of conversation that 10 years ago, it really was not known or a thing. But I think more and more companies are including an endorsement for mold in there specifically for that problem that I think most people think the most damaging thing that can happen to your house is a fire. Actually, more claims dollars are spent as it relates to water damage as well as mold. So we definitely recommend to our clients that if you see any type of water issue going on to investigate that immediately because mold is something that does grow over time and typically grows behind walls. And by the time you see it, it's gotten to be a major issue. So we would definitely recommend if you do have, let's say a policy that's been in place for some time, it may not have that mold endorsement on there. So to have a conversation with your private risk advisor to explore either having it added on or maybe rewriting you into a different program that will allow for that mold coverage to be included. 
So to pull back a little bit, where do you see the biggest risks for the successful individuals, those people with high earnings, high assets, and who've had a nice little bit of success in their lives? I think the biggest risk for highly successful individuals and families is just the unawareness that risk exists. I think they often move in spaces and don't realize that by their wealth alone, they're viewed as targets. And there are always decisions to be made, where to live geographically, which house to choose, which passion to pursue, how to protect those passions. But I think the one area that highly successful individuals really are at the mercy of someone outside of themselves is in a courtroom. So I think the biggest risk is should they through their lifestyle, find themselves on the other end of a lawsuit, making sure that they have taken steps through an umbrella policy or an excess liability policy to really protect their wealth. So that way you're making sure that should a lawsuit come about, their investments are not at risk. Their personal wealth is not at risk, that the insurance company does come forward to offer defense protection as well as should any judgment come about. So I think the biggest risk is probably the liability because it's such an unknown. You can't really plan for it outside of maybe trying to eliminate or at least manage your risk as much as possible before that. The really good advisors in this space, I think, help clients understand where they are over and underinsured vis-a-vis the risks that are in their lives. How often should these policies and programs be reviewed? In, and I would include in that the, the health of the insurer. I think we definitely encourage loyalty and think that there's value in relationship longevity. However, carriers periodically introduce new coverages like the mold that we just discussed or enhancements or new pricing. So I think as part of general stewardship, we recommend having a review conversation with your private risk advisor annually. So that way, new risk or changes in risk don't get overlooked. We normally recommend testing the market every three to five years. It still remains to be seen whether that interval is still appropriate, alluding to what I previously shared that capacity is absolutely shrinking. So it's less about pitting the carriers against themselves and more so how can we work with your existing carrier or build up the program to continue to tailor it to meet your needs. Um, So I think also in terms of your agent or broker, I think that you do need to consider what their standards of due diligence are. So for instance, with Aon, we refuse to do business with any company that has below an A rating, which ensures their financial strength. But every broker and agency is different in terms of that. So finding out about the carriers themselves, their financial strength over time, and the brokers and their standards is equally as important. So in terms of you looking at your program every annually, but also testing the market every three to five years. Not only does it, I think, allow you to capitalize on any innovations in the market, but it also ensures that your current program addresses your current lifestyle. And I think we can all agree change happens. It's probably the most constant thing in our lives. But for instance, maybe three years ago, you didn't have a young driver and now you do. Or maybe you've developed an extensive wine collection over the last five years that should now be accounted for. So I think the bottom line is that things change over time and you want to make sure that your program evolves along with you. So many clients with their success become high profile. And while we're not all Pat Mahomes or J-Lo or Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey, 
the spotlight can come to people who have gotten to a level of success that puts them in a different standing in the community. What do you see are the big risks that the higher profile people need to be worried about? You did mention that in a sense, you become a target and people decide that if you've got notoriety, you automatically have assets and therefore you become public enemy number one for bad evildoers and things like that. What else do you see out there for the higher profile folks and people who've had success to be worried about? The reality is that we live in the information age with all the social media platforms that exist. It's really very easy to find out a wide variety of information on anyone without even really trying. So I think as a high profile or highly successful individual who may often appear on the front page of the newspaper or their company website, or you can easily Google who they are. I think our goal is to assist them in not having their lifestyle expose them to risk. I think that successful individuals and families would do well to consider their risk using a wide lens. So this includes thinking, who has access to your house? Do you have domestic staff? And what protections are you taking to do background checks? Because you're opening up your life and your lifestyle to someone that could be approached by TMZ and that could put you further at risk. I think it's also considering your vacation homes and how you're using them. Are they short-term rentals? Who has access to them? Cars as well. Who has access to your cars? Does your staff have access to your cars? Could they put you at risk? Should they have a catastrophic accident? And I think just really thinking, I won't say from a pessimistic standpoint, but I think from an aware standpoint. How are you taking steps to protect yourself from the folks out there that may view you as the deepest pockets in the room? So I think looking at life and moving through life, certainly enjoying life and wanting to give back to community is absolutely important and something that we encourage our clients to do. But I think doing so at a conservative way that looks at things responsibly and worst case scenario in terms of that. One thing that I would add on to that is in terms of what's called lifestyle management with the prevalence of social media, I always bring up the Kim Kardashian example where she put on display the fact that she was in Paris in a particular hotel and that she also had a lot of jewelry. And ultimately, there were some pretty sophisticated thieves out there that were able to triangulate around where she was going to be when and where the jewelry actually was, and it turned into a huge problem where a big part was stolen. So I tell people, as a matter of course, be careful of the information that you put out there. And at the very least, consider having a lag in information so that you aren't essentially putting a GPS on your belt so that the bad guys know exactly where you are and when. I think that is absolutely, you are spot on. I think that's a lot of the education that we provide our families is, you know, certainly being an influencer is something that's more of interest these days, but wanting to make sure that you are curating what you're putting out there on social media. And I think doing the lag times, especially around travel, if you're saying that you're in the Maldives, when you're in the Maldives, you're clearly telling someone else that you are not at home. So it does open you up to additional risks. So I think just making those small tweaks can really help you in some impactful ways. You're off into cyber and 
safeguarding your accounts and things like that. Is that something you tell your clients to think about in terms of an audit? I don't mean that from a tax perspective. I mean that from a just understanding where your passwords are, what the vulnerabilities might be, that type of thing. Where we definitely reside is from a property and casualty perspective, but we also do advice and consultation on other risk coverages like kidnap and ransom and cyber falls into that as well. So we have, especially since COVID has happened, where we do find a lot of crossover between personal and professional that we can do diagnostics in terms of where are weaknesses in your home? How are you maybe not being as digitally hygienic in terms of your passwords and how protected they are? Or do you need your own separate VPN to protect all of your accounts? And again, because a lot of our clients are also business owners, making sure that there is no bleed over in terms of that or how to safely travel, but still stay connected and not jumping on the Starbucks hotspot or the airport hotspot, because there are always, unfortunately, people lurking on the dark web to look for any type of weakness and opportunity to take advantage of. It sounds like on top of that, especially for business owners, it probably doesn't hurt to have a fire drill so that you know whom to call if you get an email saying we are denying you access to your server, or if you don't send over 10 Bitcoin, we're going to do something poor to your company. Just all of which sounds like good practice to me. What other guidance can you share vis-a-vis individuals and families when it comes to managing risk around the homes and the cars, collections and other types of things? I think I'd just like to encourage listeners to include risk management as part of the overall and ongoing wealth strategy. I think many families you mentioned have their wealth grow over time and they might decide to upgrade their wealth advisor or look into a family office or a multifamily office. They definitely know about the IRS and the CPA and how important they are. And then they may also want to create complex tax strategies like LLCs and trust. But risk, I found, is typically not the conversation that comes to mind. And especially for business, successful families, having a close relationship with your private risk advisor where you have those annual stewardship discussions so that you can be proactive and stay on top of things real time is so important. Because I think risk advisors can not only help you right-size your program, but I think they can give you the tools to be proactive in the management of your wealth so that you're getting feedback on what the market is doing or how that could potentially impact the house or the houses that you may own. So we work together as a team, not just with the client, but I think with the other advisors sitting at the table providing guidance and they know who we are so that if there is information that needs to be passed, that we can make sure to do that on behalf of our mutual client. Terrific stuff. Latanya, how do we find you? What's the best way for listeners to get a hold of you to have that conversation? First of all, I completely agree that it's an important one because when you're canvassing the threats to wealth, it's real easy to talk about foreign investments or taxes and all that stuff. And oftentimes there's some pretty sophisticated advice around that. But the risks around lawsuits and property damage and making sure that you're insured on that part, I think, is vital. So after my little monologue there, how do we find you? You can find me absolutely on LinkedIn. 
Tanya Simmons. Our website for Aon is www.aon.com. And I will give out my phone number. That's no problem. The easiest way to reach me is 404-264-3112. Even though I am based out of Atlanta, I do have clients all across the country. Also toll free is 866-225-5266. Thank you again for having me. Thrilled to have you on and look forward to keeping track of you as we go forward here. Thanks, LaTanya. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wealth Actually, hosted by Fraser Rice, author of the book Wealth Actually and a leading private wealth manager. Head on over to wealthactually.com where you can subscribe to this podcast, get your own copy of the Wealth Actually book, and connect with Fraser directly. We'll see you next time on Wealth Actually. Fraser Rice is an employee of Next Capital Management, LLC. This podcast is not investment, legal, or tax advice, nor does it reflect the opinions of Next Capital Management. Any opinions represented in the show are Fraser's individually and not an endorsement of the guests.